Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the heart-wrenching yet profoundly inspiring pages of We Are Displaced by Malala Yousafzai. This 2018 release goes beyond the headlines to put a human face on the refugee crisis. Yousafzai, an international activist, shares her personal displacement story from her homeland of Pakistan. While intertwining the narratives of resilient women and girls she encountered in refugee camps worldwide. With more than 68.5 million individuals displaced globally, Yousafzai emphasizes the uniqueness and humanity of every person affected. About the author, Malala Yousafzai, a beacon of hope and courage, is the youngest ever co recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize, awarded in 2014 when she was just 17. She demonstrates an unwavering commitment to advocating for women's education through her non-profit organization, the Malala Fund. Though originally from Pakistan, her journey continues in the United Kingdom, where she studies philosophy, politics, and economics at Oxford University. We Are Displaced is essential reading for anyone seeking to understand the personal stories behind the staggering statistics of refugees. It is especially poignant for those moved by the strength of women and girls and for readers aiming to comprehend the complex causes behind displacement. Join us as we explore each narrative, a testament to the enduring spirit despite adversity, only on 20-minute books. We are displaced. My journey and stories from refugee girls around the world. Introduction. The resilience of the human spirit shines in stories of the displaced. Malala Yousafzai's name resonates worldwide as a symbol of tenacity and advocacy for girls' education. Displaced from her home in Pakistan due to the Taliban's aggression, Malala used her voice to champion the rights of women and girls. Yet, her narrative is only a single thread in the vast tapestry of stories belonging to individuals who have endured displacement due to war, famine, or natural disasters. Traveling and sharing tales, Malala unearths the rich layers of emotion carried by those who have been forced to flee their homes. They showcase the spectrum of human experience, from the depths of despair to the heights of determination, and from the bitterness of sorrow to the warmth of thankfulness. These narratives embody the extraordinary endurance of people who confront nightmarish realities, yet find the courage to forge new paths and nurture hopeful visions for the future. Listen and learn about the precarious role of luck in the odysseys of the displaced. Discover the inspiring story of a girl who catalyzed change by advocating education over early marriage and hear the harrowing experiences of the Rohingya, a people in plight. Part 1. Swat Valley. From serene childhood haven to a land gripped by extremism. Imagine a place where the sights and sounds echo a tranquil paradise, a haven where the beauty of nature is so profound that it earns the nickname the Switzerland of the East. This was Malala Yousafzai's Swat Valley in Pakistan a landscape adorned with majestic pines, mountains blanketed in snow, and rivers meandering through. Born in the valley's heart, Mingora, in 1997, 
Malala's early years were filled with the joys of childhood, playing with friends and visiting family amid the serene mountains of Shangla. The backdrop of her father, an advocate for both environmental conservation and girls' education, shaped her formative years. However, the idyllic world of her childhood was brutally disrupted in 2005 when an earthquake devastated Pakistan, claiming 73,000 lives and leaving survivors in dire straits. It was in this vulnerable state that religious extremists found fertile ground for their radical ideology as they aided the afflicted alongside preaching a draconian interpretation of Islam. In this tumultuous atmosphere, ordinary pleasures were deemed sinful. Women were coerced into veiling their faces, and the simple joys of music and dance were condemned. Even the notion of educating girls was rebuked as an affront to their interpretation of Islamic teachings. To Malala and her family, such a version of their faith was bewildering and irreconcilable with their understanding. As the extremists' clout ballooned, they amalgamated their power with the Taliban, who had previously cast no shadow over Pakistan. The arrival of these men, distinguished by their long beards and distinctive black turbans, struck fear into the hearts of the residents of Swat. Their grim association with the Taliban's tyranny was evident, and their intent to impose a radical agenda was clear. Malala's first direct confrontation with the Taliban is etched in her memory, an encounter overshadowed by fear on a journey to Shangla. As her cousin hastily concealed cassette tapes at the site of a Taliban roadblock, Malala witnessed the harsh reality of their rule, a command for her to cover her face coming from a stern-faced man wielding a gun, shook her, though she was but a girl. A moment marking the erosion of the paradise she once knew, foreboding a future fraught with even greater challenges. Part 2. The fearless voice of Malala echoes beyond the Swat Valley. Terror swept through the Swat Valley when Malala was only eleven, as the Taliban unleashed a reign of fear. They severed power supply lines, devastated schools and police precincts, and silenced any opposition with brutal killings. At the tail end of 2008, they decreed that all girls' schools be shuttered, with the threat of violence looming over any defiance. For Malala, this was not just a loss for education, but a dire stranglehold on her future aspirations. As violence escalated in 2009, the government's response was drastic. Evacuate SWAT to strike hard against the Taliban with a full-scale military operation. Malala and her family were swept into an uncertain limbo, treading between unwelcoming hotels to the reluctant hospitality of relatives, trying to avoid becoming burdens. They spent nearly three months in this transient hell before being allowed to return to their home in Mingora. Upon their return, a semblance of normalcy was restored, but under the surface, the Taliban threat persisted, operating from the shadows with targeted assassinations. Despite the risks, Malala's resolute stand against the extremist regime and her advocacy for girls' education gained momentum again. Her voice had already reached the world's ears through radio, television and a blog for BBC Urdu. Yet with her rising prominence came increased danger, culminating in the Taliban's assassination attempt on October 9, 2012, that left her grievously injured by a gunshot to the head. This debilitating event and its aftermath are well chronicled, 
but Malala prefers not to dwell on these details in retelling. Surviving the attempt on her life, Malala's journey to recovery took her from hospital to hospital within Pakistan, until she was airlifted to Birmingham, England, where eventually, after grueling months, she was discharged and her family faced the monumental task of rebuilding a life from the ground up. Returning to Pakistan meant facing potential peril once more. Settling into life in Birmingham was both a practical necessity and a formidable mental challenge, embedding the question deeply within Malala. Should she persist in her crusade for girls' education despite everything? Encouragement poured in from across the globe, not just a few notes, but a deluge of supportive correspondence, particularly from the women and girls deeply affected by Malala's mission. Inspired by their stories, Malala found the unwavering resolve to continue amplifying her advocacy. The following narratives share the extraordinary experiences of some of these women and girls whose lives intersected with Malala's inspiring journey. Part 3. The Divergent Destinies of Sisters Zainab and Sabrine in a World of Upheaval The ripples from a documentary spotlighting Malala's journey, Davis Guggenheim's He Named Me Malala, brought her to Minneapolis, where she met Zainab. This encounter unveiled the contrasting fates of Zainab and her sister Sabrine, born into the turbulent setting of Yemen and raised by their grandmother after their mother moved to the United States. Destiny played a cruel hand when, in 2010, their grandmother tragically passed away following a fall. The sisters found themselves adrift as Yemen's fabric was torn apart by political strife, with power struggles leading to rampant bombings. A 14-year-old Zainab and 12-year-old Sabrine faced the harsh reality of a country descending into chaos. Under these stark circumstances, Zainab urgently contacted her mother, who guided them to seek refuge in Egypt while working towards the elusive dream of a U.S. visa. Here, Zainab experienced a shift in fortune. Near her 19th birthday in December 2014, she was granted passage to the U.S., a ticket to a fresh start in Minneapolis and a reunion with the mother from whom she had been separated for years. The transition brought some solace. Her new school hosted a Muslim student body that welcomed her warmly. Among these kind faces was Asma, a Somali peer, who became her guide, translator and eventually a cherished confidant. However, Sabrine's luck failed her. Her own U.S. visa application was inexplicably denied, forcing her to embark on a perilous illegal journey across European waters. She endured a grueling nine-day voyage, crammed into a series of overcrowded boats lacking even the most basic facilities with nothing but a box for a bathroom. The final leg of her odyssey saw their boat stall without fuel, mere hours from safety compelling a Red Cross rescue ship to come to their aid. From landing in Italy, Sabrine wound up in a Dutch refugee camp where fate introduced her to a Yemeni man, and swiftly they were engaged. Now, as a married woman in Belgium, Sabrine's life unfolds further from her sisters. While Zainab dives into her education in Minneapolis, embracing the stability and opportunities it affords, Sabrine's future is awash in uncertainty without proper immigration papers. Their stories, entwined yet divided by the fickleness of luck, underscore the vastly different trajectories 
that the process of seeking sanctuary can take, with one sister stepping onto firm ground in the U.S. and the other navigating a persistent state of limbo. Part 4. Muzun's Mission, a beacon of educational hope in a Jordanian refugee camp. Even amidst the bleak conditions of displacement, as refugee stories unfold, some individuals emerge as emblems of empowerment and catalysts for change. Malala met one such inspiring figure, Muzun, during a visit to the Zatari refugee camp in Jordan. Introduced by a UNICEF representative, Muzun's vigor for education and her advocacy work within the camp made it evident that she shared a deep connection with Malala's cause. A Syrian by birth, Muzun cherished dreams for her education before the war engulfed her nation in 2011, turning its streets into war zones and shuttering its schools. After enduring two years amidst the siege of violence, Muzun and her family embarked on a harrowing journey to the Jordanian border, eventually reaching the Zatari refugee camp on foot. Their new existence was a stark contrast to life before. Eight of them shared a single tent, devoid of furniture or electricity. Yet, even in this stark reality, Muzun's primary worry was the disruption of her education. Learning of a school within the camp was a significant reprieve, offering her a semblance of stability and a chance to continue her studies. However, Muzun observed that her fellow female refugees did not share her zest for education. Encountered with a prevailing sentiment that deemed schooling frivolous compared to the benefits of marriage secured the girls' futures, Muzun recognized this as a false promise of security, trapping them in a cycle of dependency that would stifle any hopes of independence or financial stability. Propelled by this realization, Muzun took a stand, engaging with the community and compellingly arguing for the pursuit of education over early matrimony. Her cause resonated with a fellow 17-year-old girl who faced pressure from her father to marry a man more than twice her age. With Muzun's encouragement, she braved a conversation with her father about the longer-term security that education could provide, a daring act that would pivot her life towards school instead of marriage. Days later, the girl joined Muzun on the path to learning, sparking a movement. By the time of Malala's visit, Muzun's steadfast work had not only earned her the moniker the Malala of Syria, but had also ignited hope in the camp that education was a vital bridge to a better future. Refusing to bow to her circumstances, Muzun became a beacon for others, proving that even in the most challenging of times, one person's passion for education can light the way for many. Part 5 Najla's Relentless Pursuit of Knowledge Amid Adversity In the heart of Sinjar, Iraq, a young girl named Najla, born to the Yazidi community, a group often marginalized for their religious beliefs, embraced a passion for learning that clashed with the expectations of her surroundings. Najla's longing for education was a flame that burned brightly, even when others were ready to snuff it out. Her journey began with a rebellion at the tender age of eight, as she had to plead with her father to let her step into a classroom, a place her parents did not see as befitting for their daughters. Najla's first brush with education was an epiphany, shedding light on a world vastly different from her own. Facing her father's expectations to abandon school and prepare for domestic life, Najla chose to run to the mountains, 
fiercely determined to carve her own path. After five tense days of absence, she returned home to a furious father. Yet her bold act had shifted something, and she was allowed to continue her education. Tragedy struck with the death of her sister's husband and the subsequent suicide of a close friend, encasing Najla in a thick fog of depression. She stumbled, and school became a distant reality. But, as she had before, Najla rose against the tide of despair, reclaiming her place in school in 2013, with ambitions that now stretched towards college. The following year brought chilling news. The ominous shadow of ISIS loomed over her people, known for their ruthless campaigns against the Yazidis. When darkness descended on Sinjar without warning and the distant rumble of tanks grew closer, Najla's family fled, cramming into a car filled with fear and uncertainty. The refuge they found in the Sinjar Mountains was temporary, and the family soon sought sanctuary in Dahuk within Kurdistan's borders. In the face of their grim new reality, Najla's dream of education refused to die. Instead, she became a beacon of hope for other children, sharing her knowledge as a makeshift teacher. It was on Malala's 2017 Girl Power trip, an initiative to amplify the voices of young women worldwide, that their paths intersected. Najla's unwavering spirit and her resolve to keep her educational hope alive amidst chaos moved Malala deeply. Recognizing her extraordinary resilience, Malala selected Najla as one of two girls to join her at the United Nations General Assembly in 2017, a poignant acknowledgement of her steadfast pursuit of knowledge against all odds. Part 6. Maria's Journey. Finding Home Within Amidst Colombia's Turmoil. For over four decades, Colombia has been ensnared in a relentless civil conflict that has uprooted 7.2 million lives. Maria, from the rural heartland of Colombia, is among this massive tide of the displaced. Her earliest years were enshrined in the freedom of farm life, where verdant orchards offered up their bounty and animals frolicked, accenting her days with joy. At four years old, Maria's world upturned. Her mother whisked her and her siblings away from their pastoral life. Their father, she claimed, would follow soon, a gentle falsehood masking the grim reality of his murder amidst escalating violence. The family's flight ended in Cali, one of Colombia's sprawling urban landscapes, where a makeshift camp teeming with those chased away by war became their unwelcome home. Poverty and crime were as pervasive as the air they breathed, and gang rule enforced a new, perilous norm. The piercing staccato of gunfire became a frightful lullaby that had them dodging death daily. Facing discrimination compounded their struggle. Maria's dark skin and rural twang magnetized the cruelty of bigotry and abuse. It was her mother's indefatigable spirit that planted seeds of hope amidst the desolation. With no means at their disposal, her mother traversed the camp, laundering clothes for scanty earnings to fend off hunger. Their fortunes nudged slightly when Maria was seven, as a local community initiative relocated them to a modest house. Though battered by weather and wear, it became their fortress against the elements. Amidst the dilapidated dwelling, art became Maria's solace. The children participated in a theater program where their wrenching tales of upheaval took the stage in Nobody Can Take Away What We Carry Inside. The title alone became a mantra for Maria, 
a reminder that her truest home was unbounded by walls, residing in the heart of her creativity. At 16, it was through film that she channeled her voice, crafting a documentary on the stark realities of being displaced. Through the many moves that followed, no physical space could mirror the warmth and freedom of her childhood farm, the only place that ever truly felt like home. Yet as Maria keeps moving, so does her conviction that while physical spaces may come and go, the essence of home is hers forever, safe and unextinguished in her heart and memories. Part 7. Marie Claire's Tale. A Testament to a Mother's Enduring Legacy. In the wake of her speeches, Malala would often engage with refugees in the audience, absorbing their personal sagas. Among these, the account of Marie Claire, encountered in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, resonated deeply with her. The turmoil of conflict in the Democratic Republic of Congo marked the beginning of Marie Claire's story, as her family fled to Zambia to evade the violence. There, without documents and recognition, they encountered a harsh reality fraught with animosity. While school became a hostile battlefield for Marie Claire, it was her mother's unwavering encouragement that fortified her resolve. You control your own destiny, her mother would say, urging her to look beyond the taunts and anguish. Tragedy struck when Marie Claire was twelve. A violent mob engulfed their home, and in protecting her children, her mother met a fatal end. Her father sustained severe injuries, thrusting Marie Claire into the role of his caretaker and propelling her out of school. Once her father had recuperated sufficiently, Marie Claire's return to education was fueled by a poignant mission to fulfill her late mother's dream of witnessing her graduation. She plunged into her academic pursuits with determination and began to thrive as a standout student. A turning point came at 16 when the family received uplifting news from the United Nations Refugee Agency. Their refugee status had been granted through the efforts initiated by Marie Claire's mother years before. Their new home awaited in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where a local woman named Jennifer eagerly offered assistance to help them transition. High school completion in the U.S. beckoned Marie Claire, but age barriers nearly obstructed her path. By sheer grit, she persuaded the school to admit her, though the clock was ticking. She had a mere five months to conquer an entire curriculum. Her tenacity proved unstoppable, and in June 2016, Marie Claire did not just graduate. She etched her name into her family's history as the first high school graduate. The pride etched on her father and Jennifer's faces was matched by a deep spiritual connection to her mother. Marie Claire felt her presence palpably in that celebratory instant, honoring the sacrifice that had enabled her to stand on that stage, clad in cap and gown, dreams realized. Part 8. The Rohingya's Struggle, Aid and the Indelible Longing for Home In the western reaches of Myanmar, near the border with Bangladesh, live the Rohingya, a Muslim minority in a predominantly Buddhist nation. Since the 1960s, their existence has been marred by relentless persecution, instigating a mass exodus in search of safety. Bangladesh's first haven for the Rohingya, established in 1990, is a refugee camp located in an area intensely susceptible to monsoons and flooding. Today, it shelters over 900,000 souls seeking respite from the torment. 
The crisis reached a fever pitch in 2017, when the military and radical forces in Myanmar intensified their assaults on the Rohingya, compelling thousands to flee across the border into Bangladesh. Malala took a public stand against this humanitarian disgrace, raising her voice at a global conference. During the echoes of this outcry, Malala met French humanitarian activist Jérôme Jarre, who birthed the Love Army, a movement enlisting the youth to mobilize aid in emergencies worldwide through social media-driven fundraising. This collective effort has forged a lifeline for the Rohingya in Bangladesh, funding the development of several thousand shelters, deep water wells, and even employment opportunities within the confines of the refugee camps. Among the beneficiaries is Ajida, who, with her family, embarked on a harrowing nine-day escape to Bangladesh after her village fell beneath the Myanmarese military's onslaught. In a remote camp, her family's shelter is stark, a bamboo structure born of necessity. Ajida's ingenuity and skill, passed down from her mother, have made her an asset to the Love Army. Tasked with crafting clay stoves, she has contributed over 2,000 units to other refugees. The work facilitated by aid not only provides financial support to individuals like Ajida, but also instills a sense of purpose. Nevertheless, the fabric of their lives as refugees is undeniably taut with hardship. Ajida's children yearn for the familiar embrace of their previous life, unable to fathom the reasons behind their abrupt and wrenching uprooting. Malala reflects that the world often expects refugees to display unalloyed gratitude and relief upon finding a safe harbour. But stories like Ajida's carry a poignant reminder that for all that humanitarian aid can build, it cannot resurrect what has been lost. The narratives of displaced women are not mere tales of reaching safer shores. They are also elegies for homes left behind and lives forever altered. These are the intertwining threads of survival and sorrow, of gains and irrevocable losses. Final summary. The ongoing refugee crisis has cast millions into the uncertain tides of displacement, with women and girls bearing the brunt of its harsh realities. Uprooted by the relentless forces of conflict and denied fundamental rights like education, they navigate a precarious existence. Yet, amidst the tumult, stories of triumph and tenacity emerge, evidence of an indomitable spirit that refuses to be quashed. In the face of monumental adversities, some of these courageous women and girls have not merely endured. They have somehow managed to realize their aspirations against all odds. Their journeys highlight an extraordinary capacity to not only persevere through horrific circumstances, but also to share their strength with those around them. Through education, advocacy, personal dedication to learning, and sustaining the flame of hope in the hearts of their communities, they showcase the resilient power of the human spirit. These narratives extend far beyond tales of survival. They are testaments to the potency of dreams, the resolve to reach them, and the enduring impact one can make even when cast adrift in the most desperate of conditions. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, 
give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.